everyone and welcome to another episode of Aussie Tech Heads. It is episode 578, 4th of April 2018 and hopefully we'll be staying away from any any April Fool stories. I think we weeded them out. There wasn't much to choose from this week anyway. I think everyone's pretty quiet with those. But uh, yes, we are brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All your hosting needs, go and give us a look at, at uh, SSL certificates, Aussie support, which is probably the main thing. If you've got a problem, you can... Uh, ring me or uh, tech, uh, you know, send a support ticket. And at least I can point, point you in the right direction and tell you the free way of doing things, uh, at least. All right, so what else? We've got a pretty good show for you this week. We're going to have a bit of a chat. We've got probably less stories, but that also uh, that will just open up a lot of lot more room for, you know, a bit of chit-chat. So let's see how we go. Other uh, shows to look out for is the Aussie Mac Zone. Uh, the Aussie Tech Crypto, which is going gangbusters, and another show that's uh, joined up and is in episode seven and continuing is My Tech Opinion. Now, you might see this uh, on the iTunes, if you're lucky, which you will. Uh, so go searching for that. And it's from Shane. So remember Shane used to be on the show? So he's uh, he's teamed up with Phil Edwards, and he's going to bring you My Tech Opinion, a program that takes a longer look at what's happening in the world of tech. So each episode, Shane and Phil take a brief look at the latest in tech news and then take a deeper, a deep dive into a, a certain topic that they wish to talk about. So have a listen to that. Uh, search it up, My Tech Opinion. And uh, yeah, go and give that a shot. And it's also on the Aussie Tech Radio, which is a, sort of like a radio station, 24-7, wall-to-wall, just repeats. So like if you listen to it every day, you probably will get the same shows twice, but new shows every Friday, so that's a good thing. And uh, you can get that at AussieTechRadio.com or on the TuneIn Radio app, just search for Aussie Tech Radio and Bob is your uncle. Now, or most of the time. Now, Aussie at Aussie Tech News, at Aussie Tech Heads, at Glenn Goodman, at Warlock. And I'm not sure if Jordan's got one. I don't think he has, but we'll ask him in a second. And hashtag Oz Tech Heads if you feel the need. YouTube.com forward slash Aussie Tech Heads and Facebook.com forward slash Aussie Tech Heads. And speaking of getting into contact with people and asking them what's going on, let's connect with Jordan. How are you going, Jordan? I'm good, mate. That's good. Have I'm you good. Have you got a Twitter handle? I don't think you do. Is this true? No, I've never had one. No. I used to have one years ago when it first came out and everyone's like, are you doing Twitter? And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I went and had a look at it and then mm. I think I registered something and then I probably got followers I don't know about, but I haven't signed in there in years. Yeah. Yeah, I've signed in. I get a little messy every time. I it's, think not like, um, it's not like, um, you know, like like um, your your Outlook email, is it? Whereas if you don't sign in for a month, they close your account. Oh, do they? Oh, nasty. <laughs> Good old Microsoft. Well, they used to, the old Hotmail years ago. Oh, well, I think I do remember that now, coming back to me. And uh, and speaking of using Twitter, Jace, how you doing, Jace? Yeah, I've only made about fifty three point four thousand tweets. Looks like, and one of those was include was to me the other night about the yep. the birthday of the, mo, the mobile phone or something. Yeah, so, how about that? Yeah, was it, I think was, the only um, the only good uh, April Fool's joke that I saw that was actually a bit funny was the company I go through for my internet Aussie broadband said. From now on, we're only going to be accepting Bitcoin and nothing else. Mm. And I, I messaged, I posted on there. I said, "Come on, guys, you should be accepting Australia coins." Yeah. Which is the one that we're promoting. <laughs> they that would have been, yeah, that, that would have been funnier if they had posted that. We're only yeah. now, now Aussie broadband. We're only now accepting Aussie Australia coin. That would have been funny. Yeah. That would have been good. Not, Oz, not Aussie coin. That's Auscoin. Ter- they, they should just you know, fork, their, fork their business to Australia Australia Broadband. Yeah. Mm. Now, Same as the coin. Yeah, Jordan, you don't sound as deep tonight or this week. What's going I, on? Um, Hello, I've well. I've been putting on a deep voice the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yes. wanted, yeah. Well, I think I think it was. Uh, I thought this, this week I might. Put on a little bit of a higher voice for something different. <laughs> I think it was one of the uh, comments we got from Paul. Remember, I spoke about Paul uh, from uh, Toowoomba the other week. Uh, he got in contact with me and he was saying that uh, Jordan was a bit softer and a bit all this, blah, blah, blah. So we sort of took a bit of a dive into the, uh, some audio issues there. And, yeah, we nutted out. And apparently Jordan's audio was going around and around or something. And it was creating a, a deeper voice for him. And then a when, deeper, a deeper, more sensual voice for myself to use yes. on the show. He thought it was Barry White. <laughs> yes, or John Lawrence. My darling. I... <laughs> now when, uh... He can do it too. He's a singer. He can do Barry White. enough for your love, babe. Oh, how good is that? Now, there you go. So we found, we found that part of the problem, and so we fixed it. So, yeah, so when we do I said, who, who are hope. you? Yeah, you sound so different. I, I, I thought you were someone else. Yeah. And so, look... 
I've got a question from a listener, Chris, down in there in Canberra. He's just got these MBN connected. And he went through, oh, I forget now what he said, but he went through my net phone, that's right. And so they sent him a modem. And they sent him a Huawei modem. And I went, oh, that's good, Huawei, with all the Chinese back doors. <laughs> yeah, you won't be getting spied on. You'll be, you'll be right. But anyway, so he, he did a bit of uh, looking into this modem, and apparently, uh, you know, it was pretty much locked down, not with the original software from the Huawei, but, it, you know, there was things like you can't change the, the time, you can't change, uh, I think, remote access port or turn it off. Uh, it's uh, just on by default and all this sort of um, uh, jargon. So, so I just wanted to know, you guys, if you guys have got MBN, you guys have got modems, and do you know if yours are locked down or not? Uh, Jace, what do you do? You know if what if yours is locked down? Mine's a ASUS R seven thousand Nighthawk, and um, it's not locked down. But the uh, Netgear uh, software operating system that runs on it was terrible. It turned out I had no idea that my uh, Wi-Fi kept dropping out, was losing packets, all sorts of crazy stuff. And I was, I thought it was my previous um, internet supplier. I went to the new one. And I was like, oh, you guys are even worse. What's going on? And then I did a bit of uh, Googling around and I found out that, yeah, the uh, firmware that comes with it is terrible. They don't know what they're doing. So um, I, I was... Uh, found on the website, it might have even been Whirlpool where people were saying you need to install the uh, XWRT Vortex. Oh, yes. Asus WRT Merlin firmware for the Netgear R7000. And I was hesitant because I was like, well, if this bricks it, then I'm going to have to buy another <laughs> modem. But then Will pointed out if it if it didn't brick it, I was going to have to buy another modem anyway because of the Wi-Fi problems I was having. Hmm. So I went, uh, mm, all right, so I went and installed it, and my Wi-Fi has been flawless ever since. I, I had a the um, Ethernet over power plugs, one in this room here where I am and one in the lounge room where the actual MBN modem is, just so I could get a decent speed. I had normal Wi-Fi cards and all sorts of things, and nothing was working properly, so I went, I'm going to try the uh, Ethernet over power, and it yeah. worked. It was really good, but... Um, Ever since I put this new firmware on there, I haven't needed it. So the, the those um, Ethernet over power adapters are just sitting in the garage now in a cupboard because I don't need them because the Wi-Fi is rock solid. Yeah, right. It gives extra features that you didn't have before. It gives you graphs and uh, logging, and you can uh, hook up to things like the Open DNS. So you can, if you've got kids, you can block drugs or alcohol or porn and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's just really, really good. So I'm glad that I changed. But, uh, yeah, it's not locked down at all because I just went and bought an Asus one. I didn't use one supplied by any of the ISPs. And I don't go for the Optus or Telstra or Vodafone, uh, TPG, any of these ISPs anyway. Uh, TPG would be all right because they don't lock theirs down. But Telstra and pro probably Optus tend to lock their Telstra things do. down. Just yeah. get a generic, you know, the Asus R7000. It's... Uh, you have to make sure that the type of internet you've got, mine's fibre to the premises, so I can plug that in there. Some of them you need a modem and the router. Right. Um, but I don't need that. I just need the R7000 and away it goes. It's brilliant. Yeah, I went uh, to someone's place the other day to do an internet connection. And, yeah, Telstra sent them a new modem, but they sent them, yeah, two things, the modem and a router, two. From, they, yeah. they changed from one box to two boxes. That was a bit weird. But, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, so that's good. That was that. That's a lot of good info there. I think. What was that software called that you put on there? Under the, the uh, if if you go to XVTX, mm. so uh, X-ray Victor uh, Tango X-ray dot Because I know there was uh, ages ago. I put. I ended up putting some some new modem software, some uh, open source software onto one of my old modems, and it made it work so much better. That was, yeah, that was yeah. great. But this one's just called Asus WRT Merlin. So if you search for that, mm. you'll find it really easy. And so that's got all got the MBN sockets to plug and go and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh, another thing actually that might throw a spanner in the works. He, he, it was a VoIP modem. So I, oh, okay. Yeah, so that might be a little bit different, but I'm sure you can find something that you could you go to look at yeah, the website anyway. That's the problem I have with the Telstra one is that if you – because – 
they are kind of kind of locked down to to a point with the Chelsea ones, but only because of that the 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 voice the VoIP lines and stuff. Like if you were to bridge your modem, which is ultimately the best way to go, I I reckon is just to bridge it and use another router. Um, mm. you lose your voice modem, so you've got no phone. That's kind of where I got stuck. Yeah. So right. now I'm running a now I'm running a dual net, so yeah. double yeah. net. So so I think there's ways. Yeah, there's, mm. there's ways to uh, try and get get through through life with a with another modem, and that's just get some other software. So, so Chris, that might give you a bit of a, a heads up, hopefully. And uh, if that's too hard, though, bridging it is just bridge the modem. But I think that might have issues with the VoIP. I, I remember now that he had some VoIP issues as well. It depends too, because I was, uh, just did a quick search for that, and it says the modem I've got doesn't have native VoIP settings, but you can you do VoIP calls. If you get a VoIP compatible phone, plug it into the Ethernet port on the LAN side of the Netgear router. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, but if you can't bridge it, you just you just dual NAT it and just just open everything up from. So don't use the functions of your of your actual modem as a router. Don't use it as a router. Just dual. So just run as if you've got one computer plugged into it. So plug your second router into your modem and then do everything in your normal router and any ports you want to open or anything like that. Just point them all to that other router, mm. and then plug everything into that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's doing that. Yeah, that's a couple of uh, ideas. But yeah, that's so, how I do it, and I can't speak highly enough for PFSense. Yeah, okay. I reckon that, 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 that thing rocks. So I don't. I re- almost refuse to use any other modem because of it. Yeah, I know. Any other I know. I've got a, a Netgear, uh, probably be two years old now. A Netgear something or other. You probably see it behind me. If you look hard, maybe not, but it's just a little, uh, it's like a little uh, router thing. And yeah, it just, they just don't work properly. I think I had a modem as well and I spent all, half a day trying to get that thing to bridge across to my Telstra one. And I even blame Telstra. And you know, those, modem. <laughs> you know, those modems are made with, the, you know, the, the pissiest of, of components. Like they're not, they're not very, you know, they don't have a lot of RAM or anything in them or a lot of much in them. Mm. Yeah, and that's why that's kind of why I like the PF sense. You can sort of build something that's really gutsy that's going to handle all the talk of all your network. If you've got a busy network, mm. and take the pressure off the modem, just let the modem deal with just the internet through, and let all your private network stuff be dealt with with something a bit more gutsy. Mm. Now through the it's week- amazing what a good router or a good modem will do for your network or your internet speed. You know. Yeah, well, I think I might have a little issue as well because my little free NAS keeps dropping off the network for some reason, uh, and it will drop off and then it'll come back on like intermittently, and like oh, I'm sick of not just... Wi-Fi, is it? No, I'm sick of just t- turning it off, like just cold turn off, a cold off, uh, and so what I do is now I just sort of keep going, uh, wait, or refresh, 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 refresh till I see it, and when it comes back up for that whatever short period of time, I just go reboot. Once it reboots, it's good for another week, but then it dies again that sounds like it's a problem with the freeness it doesn't sound like it's a problem with you yeah i think the only thing i can find in the forums and everything is that yeah it could be an issue with uh, a dodgy nick or a dodgy land cable or something on the network's dodgy and it must be just throwing it out but uh To, to me it sounds like it could even just be software could be the free NAS just dropping off. Well, I reckon that could be it because I got to, I do have another problem with the free NAS as well. I updated it uh, to version eleven point one U four or something, but it won't boot into that version, even though I've set it to on next boot boot into that version. And then my SMB keeps turning off. So, oh, uh, I'll figure it out. So you know, have a tinker with Open Media Vault, mate. Get another computer and plug it in and have a crack. Oh yeah. <laughs> One day, just have a tinker with. <laughs> just set it up as a secondary one, just for a bit of, just for a bit of spare time fun. Yeah, and when just, you got nothing else to do. Yeah, you got nothing else to do. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, now, look, Jace, you were through the week. You were, you posted something on the Facebook page about some DNS name servers. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Can you enlighten us what that was about, please? Have you put it in the show notes? No. Well, like, I'll just, just briefly. It was just. <laughs> oh, okay. Which so yeah, I think it was Cloudflare have um, have registered one dot one dot one dot one as a DNS server address. Yeah, and um, they've they've agreed that they're going to filter all of the stuff that goes through there because a lot of people have used it for other testing purposes and things. But it's supposed to be a much faster and also more secure, privacy-wise, uh, DNS server. 
So um, they recommend changing all of your routers and mobile phones and whatever you've got to 1.1.1.1. It'll, it'll should serve, help web pages be served faster because your computer will be able to get the IP address of where it is a lot sooner, but it should also help with some privacy. Yeah, because I think they said that they also promised to uh, delete all the logs within 24 hours and each 24 hours. So I think with yeah. the Google public DNS servers, they uh, they retain the logs. Now, I, I can't show you. I think the, the secondary one is 1.0.0.1, I think, from memory. Yeah. But uh, just, just look for the, the Cloudflare post on the Aussie Tech Ed's Facebook page. You'll find it. And so, look, I've, I've just while I've been speaking about it, I've just downloaded the DNS benchmark from uh, Steve Gibson's website at the grc.com. And yeah. uh, so I'm running it now. And look, there's, there's a, there's, it's not coming up number one, but it's, and neither is Google, I guess. There are, there's a, there's a few other ones coming up. Some, some people in North America, that's interesting. But um, I might, I might have to look further into that. Can I go slowest? One of the things they've got on the Cloudflare website is the problem is these, the DNS services often are slow and not privacy respecting. What many internet users don't realize is that even if you're visiting a website that's encrypted, has a little green lock on your browser or whatever, that doesn't keep your DNS resolver from knowing the identity of the sites you visit. That means by default, your ISP, every Wi-Fi network you've connected to and your mobile network provider have a list of every site you visited while using them. Network operators have been licking their chops for some time over the idea of taking the user's browsing data and finding a way to monetize it. In the United States, that got easier a year ago when the Senate voted to eliminate, eliminate rules that restricted ISPs from selling users' browser data. With all the concern over the data that companies like Facebook and Google are collecting on you, it's worrying that ISPs like Comcast, Time Warner, and AT&T are added to the list. And make no mistake, this is an US-only problem. ISPs all around the world see the same privacy-invading opportunity. Yeah, so look, that, that uh, GRC... Encrypted, but not from point to point. Mm. But yeah, yeah, so so the Cloudflare ones do come in, and they look they pretty much match, uh, if not maybe a little bit slower, just from the test I did tonight uh, or today with this with this thing right now. And maybe you know maybe it could be the internet that I'm on that's a little bit slow or whatever. But there's another one that's coming up. I don't know if you've heard of this bloke. But who's his name? Name. But the fastest ones are coming from a place called y.ns.gin.ntt.net. Whatever the hell that is. <laughs> so they're coming up fastest. Number one and two. Then the Googles. Oh, no, then the Cloudflare, then the Googles. So there you go. NTT is Nippon Telegraph and Telephone, a Japanese company. Right. So their name servers are pretty fast. Well, their DNS yeah. servers are pretty fast. Should change to those. But yeah, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to, uh, look, I changed my phone to it. It seems to be going fine. No issues there. Uh, I thought I'd just do one device before I maybe did the whole joint. But th there's a lot did of. Did you say that the DNS? That sorry, Jason. Did you say that the the DNS, the normal DNS servers, like you say, ISPs, no, they they can't see the encrypted traffic with SSL, but they can see the IP address that you visited. Yeah, your computer. Will, if you even if you've got an encrypted connection. If you've typed in pornhub.com, then their server has to say, okay, that IP address is over so here. He's been there. We, can't, we can't see what content he's streamed from there, but we, we know he's been there. So, that's but right. did you say with Cloudflare it hides that? Uh, yeah, they're trying to hide that sort of thing. Hide the DNSs as well. But they're also, logging. Yeah, they're also destroying the logs apparently. Now, there's a lot of tools over at... Uh, grc.com there's heaps of tools if you're into these sort of things shields up yeah shields up and there's the, this one here now he's got the new release for the additional name servers which is the ones and uh, he's also got and 9.9.9.9 I don't know what that one is but uh, you can google that one and we'll, we'll find out what, what easily confused is. with Telstra's DNS is there on my router isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Or, or 10.1.1, isn't it 10.1.1.1 oh, for a Telstra no, mode? No, nah, not their DNSs. They're all well, mine are like 63. It's the internal like, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, the internal one. Easily confused with your internal one. Yeah, but they, look, this grc.com, if you're into some tools, you want some free tools, uh, there's some shields up that'll test your exposure to the internet. And look, there's a there's password cracking or password uh, uh, generating 
software or whatever, and there's just heaps of stuff there. And look, you would have you know Steve Gibson from his time. And Spinrite, don't forget Spinrite. Oh, Spinrite's just the, it's one of the better little software things that I've ever bought. It's uh, if so you what sites? A, what sites that? GRC dot com. He's got his show .com. on the Twit Network, uh, the Security Now, and uh, he's very knowledgeable. He's very very. Nine dot nine dot nine dot nine is a DNS server that checks uh, connections that you're looking to connect to against the IBM threat database. Right. So they call it, came out there last year. The Global Cyber Alliance has given the world a new free domain name service resolver and advanced it is offering unusually strong security and privacy features. The Quad 9 DNS service at 9.9.9.9 not only turns URIs into IP addresses, but also checks them against IBM X Forces threat intelligence database. The checks protects against landing on any of the 40 billion evil sites and images X-Force has found to be dangerous. There you go. Well, uh, on this, uh, on the uh, DNS benchmark I've just downloaded, yeah, the nines are there. They come in, they are a little bit down the list, but I mean, you know, when you're down the list, you're talking milliseconds. So that, that yep. could be another one worth looking into, like if you want to maybe protect yourself even more, then you, you bung that in as your DNS resolver and that yeah that's an that's an interesting one well, google also says we don't correlate or combine information from our temporary or permanent logs with any personal information you provide to google for other services if you use 8.8.8.8 .8 .8 .8. what's the uh what do you think or what could you even imagine it'd be the purpose of these companies trying to 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 yeah provide a dns server for people like is there money in it or how would they generate money or how would they why cloudflare is all about speeding up and protecting the internet that's why they've got the website protection services against ddos and things like this so they could if there's enough people using their services they could pinpoint where a ddos is oh, coming okay. from right to block that or something like that yeah okay so it, couldn't, it can help in other areas and and whatnot yeah, yeah very interesting it kind, of just, it kind of just worries me though using all these external DNS services, I suppose, you know, you get on and do your normal website stuff, your banking or whatever, and you've got your these external DNS services. I don't know whether that has anything to do with it, but it could make you feel insecure or not. But, you know, but then yeah. I suppose you've got to trust yourself to your ISP's DNS servers, don't you, as well? So, Well, you can go to that. What's that? Other, yeah, what's that? Open DNS? I think there's, yeah. that's the other one where you can, uh, where they, they will do some checking as well, don't they? They, they, they disallow certain IPs that might have been on a banned list or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, is it just opendns.com or something? OpenDNS. I think that's what it but is. The DNS is not, yeah, the DNS is, is not looking into your data anyway, really, is it, your DNS? It's more about, it's just, it's just getting you, isn't it? Yeah, it's just getting you from one place to the other, that's right. One but place I, to another. But I guess, I, I guess you know, I, I don't know, if you're a, a politician or something, you know, and someone gets hold of your DNS logs and says, look, you looked at Pornhub every five minutes, you know, for the last five weeks. Especially well, if you're one of the anti-porn politicians. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, when you go and you buy a VPN or something like that, people go out and buy VPNs because they want to make themselves more secure and more private. Mm. And then you think to yourself, I, I, I'd reckon I'd know most people would probably turn their VPN off if they're doing important things, you know. Yeah. Do you really want um, your browsing data to be sent over to some other country on the other side of the world, you know? Yeah, I think if you're doing nothing wrong. If you're doing, bank if you're doing banking and you're on your eBay and your PayPal and all those things, do you turn your VPN on that you've bought for privacy Depends. or do you just trust your isp to shouldn't matter either way because it's yeah. encrypted all the way through yeah and depends where you are i think like you use what's encrypted with a vpn isn't it it's also encrypted if you go into your bank yeah well you bank that's right your bank site and paypal and all that most shit. of them these days should be https particularly with let's encrypt giving out free certificates all of my sites are encrypted and i don't have anything on there but even let's encrypt is not not you know if if you were a a bank company, you wouldn't turn around and go and get Let's Encrypt as your SSL. No, but uh, AussieTechheads.com.au can be encrypted even though technically there doesn't need need to be a reason if it's just the main website you're looking oh, look, at. Look, I use Let's Encrypt for a lot of mine too, but I think if yeah. I had a if I had a store, an online store or something, I'd be wondering whether Let's Encrypt is enough. They all uh, have mm. the same uh, strength uh, encryption, 
Oh, they not. do? Yeah, yeah. So some people... They do, yes, they do. Yeah, I think there, there's an article I posted up, actually, to the Facebook page about that's, free... But that's what I'm referring to because I read your article. Mm. Mm. So there's things with warranties and all this sort of stuff, but you have to be like a fair, decent-sized company to worry about a warranty. So it's like if you if your credit card data got leaked or you know hacked and stolen then you've got a bit of warranty provided by the ssl provided i guess that the hack was that breach the hack breached the ssl um but yeah so there's an article up there about the free versus the the paid ones you can have a read of uh it's funny i was reading an article this week it wasn't an article it was probably more of a forum i was stumbled over with plex that someone was saying that you know is plex safe for you to, for you to share your your content with your friends you know you home movies and whatever that you want to share with your friends. And people are like, well, it's using SSL or TLS, so it's pretty secure. And then some some guy popped up and said, oh, hang on a minute, though, but using SSL doesn't block your port. So if you're using the typical Plex port and you're streaming to all your friends, your ISP can't see what you're streaming, but they know that you're streaming from Plex. Right. Well, you could change your port. And then you could change your port, but would changing your DNS do the same thing? Uh, like Jason was doing, using using a different DNS. Well, it would like uh, well, Don't know. if it's encrypted. It's another, it's another key point to stop the ISPs seeing what you're doing. Yeah, it's mm. it's encrypted, so it wouldn't. But yeah, I'm you should change your port. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. So it's not a standard port, then they don't they don't know that that's even. We could even make it port 80 and they'll think you've got a web server there. <laughs> All yeah. right. Apple can ditch Intel from their Macs yeah. in favour of their own <gasps> chips. I know. They're gonna they're doing it again. Remember when they ditched PowerPC. I know. Didn't didn't they originally not have Intel in there? No, they had these IBM PowerPC things. And then uh, I think they moved away from them in two thousand and five. They moved to the Intel-based, and remember there was an uproar as there as there should have been, because all the old, all people that had a power PC was just instantly obsolete, and then all the software was. For well, they made they made universal binaries for a while that worked on both platforms, mm. so they got around that for a while until you're like, well, you know, my power PC computer is so old, I might as well update. Yeah, well, I've got one out outside there still works it's fine but you can't all the browsers don't update you know so you can't do nothing with it uh so anyway bloomberg reported the project which is codenamed calamanta or calamata will be part of a bigger strategy marking making max iphones and ipads work better together so this is with their own their own uh chips currently apple makes the main processor for the iphone ipads apple watches and apple tvs based on the arm chip technology using its own chips in Macs would let apple decide on release dates for its new models rather than relying on intel uh, apple made makes up five percent of intel's revenues according to this bloomberg report so imagine that as big as apple is well i suppose they're not using the intel chips on everything but as big as apple is that's just five percent of intel's revenue but apple is bigger than intel so i don't know happy that one yeah. uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, so the I, the transition that occurred back in two thousand five from PowerPC to Intel took about a year, and the Bloomberg report implies a new transition would be longer and require a multi-step transition beginning as early as two thousand and twenty. So yeah, so she's coming. Uh, Paul Norris, a senior systems engineer for EMEA at IT security firm is saying Apple is taking advantage of the relationship between operating system and hardware to its OSX-based devices to guarantee strength and security. Intel has to cater for a number of different types of operating systems and hardware devices, which increases the likelihood of a vulnerability is identified. So it makes sense to me. Sounds, yeah. sounds like Microsoft creating their <laughs> operating system for multiple yeah, okay. hardware. Multiple keep, systems. Yeah, keep it all in house, and I guess yeah, your, your product's going to be stronger, isn't it? So. Um, and you remember where? But Arm you know, they're not going to lose that much. Intel is still pretty, pretty huge. It's probably overblown a little bit, isn't it? That you know. They'll still have servers and consumers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. But look, like if a couple of billion to Intel is not much. I wouldn't think a few billion to Intel. Let me uh, let me uh, go into another. A story here because it just relates to this while we're here intel has launched new brand uh, for the eighth generation cpus now the new incore platform 
will promote the bundling of the i5, the i7 and i9 processors with the performance boosting Optane memory module that they announced about a year ago. So these processors that come with the Optane memory bundled are receiving a modified naming convention. So we're all going to start seeing the i5+, plus, the i7+, plus, and the i9+. Plus. So the branding also extends to desktop and laptops. So keep an eye out for those. Mm. Now, the Optane memory is based on the 3D X-Point non-volatile memory technology developed by Intel and Micron Technology that can speed up the performance of hard disk drives. With a 32-gig Optane memory module running on the Core i7, Intel promises promises speeds of up to three times faster for large for opening large media files, up to 3.9 times faster for loading video games, and up to 12, uh, 2.1 times faster for everyday tasks. So there you go. Now, there's not something you want to go out and buy, because I looked at some of the prices, and they're about 1200 a chip. <laughs> so, yeah, I reckon. So they'll come down. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, they'll come down. Uh, Give it time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Any, you know, technology only improves with time anyway. Yeah. Um, any comments on the Intels? That's pretty straightforward, I think. Things right. to be expected. Apple wants everything in-house. Mm. That's right, everything. So when do they go make their own graphics cards next? Including their people. Yeah. Yep. And their consumers. Yeah, they make their own trees, don't they? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Jace, what have you uh, sought out this week to let us know about? Google announced in a blog post that it now purchases more renewable energy than it consumes as a company. Google began these efforts in 2017 with the goal of purchasing as much renewable energy as it uses across its 13 data centres and all of its office complexes. To be clear, Google is not powering all of its energy consumption with renewable energy. It's matching what it consumes with equal amounts of purchase of renewable energy. For every kilowatt hour of electricity consumed, it buys a kilowatt hour from a wind or solar farm built specifically for Google. The company says now that its total purchase of energy from sources like wind and solar exceeds the amount of electricity used by its operations. Google says it currently has contracts to purchase three gigawatts of output from renewable energy projects. And while it says it's not yet possible to power a company of their scale by 100% renewable energy, these purchases do have a positive impact. Google says it's helping spur development of clean energy projects, encouraging other companies to follow suit. Several tech companies have also joined the fight against climate change, including Apple, Amazon and Microsoft. Apple Park is powered by 100% renewable energy, and Apple has a commitment to bring 4 gigawatts of renewable power online by 2020. Amazon set a long-term goal of 100% renewable energy, and Facebook has as well. But I wonder, like, when you, when they say that they're, they're powered, you know, by 80 or 100% of this renewable energy, like, is it solely, is it the actual energy that's, uh, do you think, that's created by the wind or from the solar panel that's actually fed in to the Google? Or are they still just using the, say, the coal-powered electricity, but, but putting their... They're offsetting but, it, yeah, with the renewable. Yes, yeah, so what I'm sort of trying to get at is, is the they're not actually relying on the renewable energy as such. So therefore, because like it's not as stable, yeah. so they're still using the coal, but they're, they're pay, they're saying that it's coming from, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I it's kind of like if you want for your home, some electricity providers yeah. say, if you pay 20% more, we'll buy some of the uh, energy that our that's company right. uses from renewable places. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Welcome. All right. Uh, Jordan, did you have any stories this week? I know it's been a bit uh, light on, hasn't it? But did you have the. It has. I just thought after last week, you were kind of. I don't know. It was probably not last week. It was probably the last few weeks. If, every time I mention the word edge, you guys have a bit of a chuckle. Because <laughs> I'm always living on the edge. So I found I found this article here that says why should why should uh, sorry why you should switch to Microsoft uh, Microsoft Edge. News.microsoft.com. Hey, is that from news.microsoft.com? Uh, no, 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 not quite. MSN, so it's you know, yeah, nice well. <laughs> uh, why, why should we? Yeah, it says if you use Microsoft Edge browser in any capacity, congratulations. You're incredibly rare, so much so that devices like StatCounter don't even have your browser of choice in its top six list. Mm-hmm. You would think that you would think that Edge Edge's market share of 1.86%, according to StatCounter's figures, 
when it wrote this would be a little higher given that Microsoft bakes the browser into Windows 10 and it's the only option you have on a brand new untouched version of the OS. But there you go. Uh, nobody is, nobody's really using Edge, except for me. But uh, that didn't stop Microsoft from officially launching a version of the browser for both Android and iOS in November and rolling out support for both iOS and Android tablets this week. Mm. Uh, why, why give Edge a try? It says, if you're already uh, wedded to Chrome or Firefox, convincing you to switch to another browser, a Microsoft browser at that is probably futile, but will at least... Uh, Try, but we'll at least try and lay out reasonable uh, cases as why Edge is interesting. Uh, as soon as you fire up Edge, Microsoft asks you to synchronise the app with your existing Microsoft account, a standard browser practice that allows you to then share your favourite history, sorry, favourites and history, passwords, browsing data and settings between your PC, smartphones and tablets. That's nothing new. The browser itself has a nice streamlined design with navigation buttons at the bottom, a welcome site for Safari and Firefox users and a slight a slight adjustment for Chrome fans. Uh, Edge uh, Edge was just as fast as Chrome when it was ran when we ran uh, what is it Browser Bench's Jetstream test right. on iOS version uh, of both browsers, and it's actually beat Chrome on the Bench Browser Bench's speedometer test by an increase of around twenty percent. It feels incredibly responsive to use for mundane tasks uh, like adding and modifying bookmarks and pulling up tabs and words are starting to stumble. So you can take over from there, Glenn, <laughs> yes. if you like. So I think... Uh, so they're just saying that it's quite fast and it's quite quite effective, but people just aren't using it. Well, it is. And don't, it? don't forget that uh, Aerosmith also thinks you should be living on the edge. Yes. Well, if if yes. Aerosmith say to use it, well, we've got to use it. Now, exactly. now, but they, they, they do say it's fast. I've always seen people say it's fast, but then I get these RAM problems from time to time where, you know, if you've got too many tabs open, it'll crash out on you. So. But that's it. Any browser will do that, I guess. But I think we... Yeah, look, Chrome would probably do it too if I opened up 50, but Microsoft will do it if I open up 20. If you're using <laughs> Windows 10 and you do miss the Internet Explorer, it's still there. You've just got to search for it. Hit the start button. Start the original button. Internet Explorer, yeah. Yes, yeah. Hit the start button. But that's button. not receiving updates still, is it, though? Oh, you wouldn't so. call that as secure as Edge, would you? Oh, I, I use it probably. I'd use it before Edge, um, just because I think sometimes I think. Well, look, Edge has probably improved since I last gave it a good shot. But you know, things like pages wouldn't load properly, and yeah, you know, it just turned me off. I thought, well, what's the point of it? So I just stopped using it. Um, and yeah, so I use it sometimes. I think a couple of things. Wasn't there a story a couple of weeks ago about Microsoft was going to make something? something mandatory open up in edge i forget what that was now it know. was me i said that from your email so if you click on a link in your email That's it's going right. to open edge yeah so but if you're missing the internet you're trying Explorer, to force people to use it i suppose the more people that use it then the, the better um reports back they'll get and probably the better the the edge would get mm. you know but I think, like, you know, you look at these things like like the, the developer aspect and the ecosystem, I guess. It's like anything, like Apple, they've created their own ecosystem and Android and that. And so now Chrome that's maturing, or well, it's probably matured, and Firefox is matured. They've got their own uh, extension ecosystems. And if, you've got a, if you're developing a Chrome extension, you probably develop a Firefox extension. But maybe not yet are you also going the third step and developing it for Edge. Uh, There's so, plenty of Edge extensions. Just, I mean, I've got last, there's LastPass, and I've even got an uh, internet blocker. download manager, ad blockers, and mm. all sorts well, of things. I, well, I guess as it's coming to fault, yeah, with Windows 10, uh, that mm. yeah, they're probably the, the smart cookies. They're obviously developing for it, the big the big guys. Mm. But like little mm. things, you know, little little backyard developers, I guess that just do little rulers, web web page ruler or something. You know, uh, are those things going to filter through to the? See, with Google platforms? Chrome, I don't, any, I don't think I've ever really used any of those extra little extensions. I've only ever really just used whatever. I think most people are probably the same. They probably just use used whatever they've been asked to use. Like if you go to a website and you need an extension or you need the Adobe Reader extension or you need the Flash extension, or whatever you need, it usually pops up and says, you know, you don't have it, so you got to get it, and away you go. I've got heaps. I'm just looking at mine now. I've got, I've got Evernote. I've got a to-do list. Yep. I've got the, mm -hmm. the page ruler. 
I've got a view image properties. I've got the Google Drive. <laughs> I've got to subscribe to the feed. I've got a boomerang. I've got a LastPass. I've got a push pull it. I've got launch YouTube video in always on top for YouTube. <laughs> I've got a wow. DNS. Since splusher. you like them so much, you should try the um, Android emulator extension. No, I don't want to go that far. Don't want to go well, you wanted to try Android apps inside inside your computer. You can do them inside that Chrome. A, that was only a game for the young bloke. Which the, the <laughs> what was it? The baseball hit or something? But, I yeah. had an app I wanted to use on Windows that just wasn't there anywhere, and I just installed the Android mm. the emulator for Android and input in the extension on Google and chucked the app in that. Actually, that's something actually that they could do because they've been they they want to play this Fortnite. And uh, that's that's not available anywhere except Xbox One. I think it's just come out to iOS, and you know they yeah they they want to play it. But uh, have have you guys heard or played Fortnite? I've heard of it. I haven't played it. Mm. Yeah, it's probably it's the next big thing if the kids are into it. Yeah. That's all I hear about at the moment. Yeah, right. <laughs> that and Far Cry Five. Sorry. Right, right. Uh, Jace, what else? What's your next story there? You want to? To beat cyber criminals, McAfee suggested in a new report that gamers may be the key candidates for cybersecurity jobs. The Santa Clara, California-based cybersecurity company said it did a survey of 300 senior security managers and 650 security professionals at major corporations. And 78% of respondents said the current generation entering the workforce, those that grew up playing video games, are stronger candidates for cybersecurity roles. The report suggests that gamers, those engaged and immersing in online competitions, may be the next logical step to plugging the skills gap. 92% of respondents believe that gaming afford players experience and skills critical cybersecurity, threat hunting, logic, perseverance and understanding of how to approach adversaries and a fresh outlook compared to traditional cybersecurity hires. Three quarters of senior managers said they would consider hiring a gamer even if that person had no specific cybersecurity training or experience. 72% of respondents say hiring experienced video gamers into the IT department seems like a good way to plug the cybersecurity skills gap. Sounds good to me. I think uh, hmm. so. McPhee, that's that McAfee. That's uh, that's not 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 John. the crazy loopy John. Yeah. <laughs> who now uh, apparently, if you give him one hundred fifty thousand dollars, he'll tell everyone that your uh, alternate crypto coin is the best thing since sliced bread, whether it is or not. But uh, he'll he'll tweet all about it and get you a lot of followers and people interested in it for only one hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> is anyone following that guy? He is a bit of a yeah, numb. He is a numbag. I think uh, if you want to have a bit of a laugh, if you're feeling down, go and yeah, jump onto his YouTube page. You'll you'll find some uh, stuff that's quite entertaining. <laughs> now through the week, you would have heard there was a this shooting at the YouTube headquarters over there in wherever it is, San Francisco somewhere. Now. There's been somewhat of a, a backlash uh, to Google because on their Google Maps, they identified as, as a current event uh, the San Bruno shooting on their Google Maps. So if you were, you know, looking at your maps while you were while this event was going on, uh, it came up and it, it sort of disturbed a few people uh, to the point where they took to Twitter. Probably doesn't take much for that to happen. But uh, they, they, it says this article here says that they took Google took the unusual step to mark the incident on the map service. There was a red circular icon that highlighted the location of the shooting incident was clickable, but when you clicked it, it pulled up a red sidebar and just read the San Bruno shooting without providing any more details. Uh, so this is thought to be the first time Google Maps has done such a thing, uh, and the icon has since been removed. But like, look, I, I read the, the the comments from Twitter, and initially, I guess I was thinking, well, yeah, you know, is this what we do these days? You know, it's just like so commonplace that it's just on maps, you know, like a some sort of um, carnival ride or something. But th then after I was thinking about it, I just thought, well, you know, if, you, if you're using maps, you obviously don't know your way around. So would that be a benefit? You want to know, you know where there's a dangerous event yes, currently that's happening right. and getting the hell out of there? That's right. I think, if, and if you looked at, yeah, on your phone and and it came up and said there's a shooting, well, you're not going to go anywhere near it. So I think that would have a twofold help. That would help you safe and probably help other people safe by you not being in the way. So although it yep. seems a bit cray-cray, I don't know. What what do you guys think, uh, Jordan? What I do think you, it's what, a good well, idea sorry, to Jason. keep people out of the area, you know, if... If people are going to be around there or they're like, oh, I was thinking of going into that area later this afternoon, 
you go, oh, there's a crazy gunman. Yeah, maybe I won't. I'll go shopping somewhere else. Or it'd cut down on the traffic and stuff because people would know not to go there. Yeah. It even added GPS routing systems on computers and say if somebody wants to get from point A to point B and there's a gunman in the centre there to route the traffic all around it and keep that area clear. I think mm. that'd be a brilliant idea. Yeah, so as sort of uh, insensitive as it seems uh, on the surface, I think that it, it could, it should be uh, an idea that's worth looking into. What do you think, Jordan? Are you any particular view? I'm probably with Chase. I don't think it. Don't think it's such a bad idea. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Because, uh, but you know what Twitter's like, I guess, and there's just a few. You know what? What's well, Facebook has now got those uh, report that you're safe things and. If that applied to uh, a gunman in the current area and you report that I'm safe for there and people know that it's happening, is that any different? You still know it's happening in that area and it's come from a social network thing. And It would attract more, de- more attention, but I think at the same time, you know, it's going to get attention regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll give it... It's going to be on the news, so... It's going to be everywhere, you know. Yeah. I might as well know where to where exactly to avoid. I think. Yeah. If I was walking down the street following Google Maps and I saw that, I'd be. Uh, I wouldn't. One eighty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some people are crazy enough to go there, but yeah. Well, that's up to them. <laughs> I'll be out of there. You know. uh, Jace, what else did you come across? Uh, something to be wary of. Four days ago, Apple's latest Mac OS ten thirteen four update broke display link protocol support perhaps permanently, not sure yet, turning what may be hundreds of thousands of external monitors connected to MacBook displays via DisplayLink into paperweights. Some days in, DisplayLink has yet to announce any solution, and most worryingly, their indicators this is permanent change to macOS going forward. MacRooms is reporting that users of popular Mac desktop extension app Duet Display are being advised not to update to macOS 10.13.4 Due to critical bugs that prevent the software from communicating with connected iOS devices, users extra displays. Users of other desktop extension apps like Air Display and iDisplay are also reporting incompatibility with the latest version of Mac OS. So what are they saying here? That So the Mac's got a display port on it. You put a display into it and it doesn't work. Is Can't happen. Yeah, yeah. So... And when they, yeah, because they, so they're saying that this could be a permanent thing. Surely not. Not if there's an actual, you know, port that's that's in the machine. You'd think that it has to be going to be fixed, wouldn't you? And what it must would... be a but because the bug is affecting third-party software. Maybe they're saying it's oh, a yes. problem for third-party software. They're not paying the Apple tax. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so mm, naughty, naughty. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. That's what happens. But there must be. Well, what else can you do? You could probably Apple TV another display but that is pretty inconvenient because a lot of people do take their laptops to meetings or whatever to plug into the meeting room tv or something like that so that can be a bit of a bit of a bummer so yeah watch out for that what was that mac os 10.13.4 update so uh, yeah, yeah hold off on that one uh jordan do you have any more edge stories <laughs> no i've got two more stories left i don't have a lot of great stories one of them was was just um it, it was a funny one and i probably don't even need to read all of it and the other one was just more on facebook we, we've probably read a lot about facebook already have we oh yeah it's been i think done the death everywhere is that about the says that you know that people are freaking out that facebook android apps collect and call text call text data no oh, but facebook says it's got permission yeah <laughs> Well, that's right. That's that's the thing. That's they, one of them, but I'm pretty sure we've been through that 100 mile an hour, haven't we? So, Will said he really wanted to come on the show this week so he could tell everybody what idiots they are for being upset about that. But since he's not here, he missed out. <laughs> How many times, you know, on the Android, especially, I don't know if you guys got Androids. I think, um, no, I know with they, me, they, they, the, the apps pop up every time you install one. You've got to say yes to permissions. I don't know what it's like with um with Apple as much because I'm not as familiar with it. I, I kind of am, but it's been a while. Um, but yeah, you've always got to say yes to permissions and you can always select all the different permissions. Well, I was saying that the problem with this, there was a previous permission in about four versions of Android back that's not used anymore. And if you agreed to it back then, it held it through, even though that particular permission doesn't pop up anymore. So they're getting around it through an old permission that doesn't pop up and say, can we have access to this? 
Right, right. But I guess that's just the, the, the world we live in these days, isn't it? I, I again uh, I sort of go by the rule as if you don't want if you wouldn't say it to your mum's face, you don't put it on Facebook. Yeah, my so, dad used to always say to me, Don't ever put on the internet what you don't want people to know. Yeah, exactly. My dad used to say, What's an internet? Yeah. But when they're snooping when they're snooping your call list and your text messages, then that's that's you not putting it on the internet. That's them stealing it from Yes, but then again, but like, you've given as, them permission to do it though, which is not cool. That's right. But then, it's as a as a user base, the the user base, we should be saying that's not on and to force the issue. But I don't. The user base is never going to get together to do that. So I don't think people really care to be honest. A lot these days about their data. I think there's so much of it on there anyway. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess you've got to be. Look, you've got to be probably famous or do something wrong or whatever for someone to sort of start digging and saying, let's have a look and see what, you know, Jordan's yeah. been writing over the last 20 years before he became the Prime Minister. It's like, it's, you know. yeah, yeah. It's like that that actor, what was her name from from Hunger Games? What was her name? Can't say her name. Don't know. What's she doing? Yeah, from, from Hunger Games. She was she was on the Apple Cloud, had all the dirty pictures hacked. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's many right. Years so, yeah, so there you go. And it just goes to prove if you're somebody of calibre, then mm. yeah. if you're someone worth hacking. Yeah. but that, yeah. that If you're somebody of calibre, you might be worried. But if you're of X calibre, you might get a sword and a stone to come. <laughs> oh, ching, ching. Yeah, so that, that's probably. But, you know, and it's the same. I think a lot of people are doing the same thing with clouds. I think yeah. they're all starting to realise they want to have their their own file servers rather than put it in the cloud because oh look, i don't have any because you know, hacking is different why would, to, why would a hacker want to hack you when they could hack microsoft or apple or but uh, but or, um but hacking is different to you know them snoop facebook snooping on your data or whatever oh facebook and, having permission to take your data but you know that's yeah. kind of well, I've, got, I've got faith in the cloud you know i've got you've got a faith in the cloud yeah i've got faith because <laughs> you cloud. gotta have faith defeat defeat always that's right. He's got faith in the he's got faith in the uh, Aussie tech heads, eighty eight. And, and talking about faith in the cloud, Jordan, you should have faith because Microsoft has expanded their cloud. Uh, the company announced got the, a big fat cloud now. That's right, and it is full of Microsoft Rain. Rain. The company announced the launch of two new regions in Australia. To deliver these new regions, Azure, Australia Central, and Central Two. Uh, Canberra data centres. So these mm. two new ones uh, join the existing two, one in Sydney and one in Melbourne. So it's uh, th- throughout its announcement, the company also emphasises that all of its Australia data centres are also the right choice for customers in New Zealand. And I've got a little map for those on YouTube. Want to have a look at where all the little Microsoft data centres are? There they are. And yes, that look probably gives them an advantage over some. You might say, why are they in Canberra? Well, I would have a stab and say that they're probably vying for the government contract, mm. probably for cloud services or web services down well, there. Well, they, they the government did agree, didn't they? Oh, possibly. Yes, possibly. No, there was something I read today. Oh, right. Something okay. about keeping keeping government. Microsoft has got the contract to keep. Mm. The uh, the data or something for the government or, the, or somebody. Well, they didn't build two in Canberra because they like the Canberra beaches. That's for sure. But they've got a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of centres around the world. So they've probably got more than probably Amazon, I'd say. And the, the having mm. the, having them in Australia, there's a lot of companies, doctors, health uh, agencies or whatever that can't store data overseas. Uh, you know, but uh, so this is this will this will be the go. Melbourne, Sydney, or Canberra now, Canberra. Um, Jace. There you go. Microsoft Microsoft's Australian cloud gets approved to ho- to host protected government data. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, that was the article I read. The headline. At for. least it's not IBM. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, we don't need another census debacle, or a ATO debacle, or a Commonwealth <laughs> Bank debacle, uh, or a my other, sto- my other story. story. We haven't mentioned Commonwealth Bank being down the last couple of days, have we? No, I didn't know. I don't bang with them. Are they what, what's been going on with them? Yeah, they've had outages again. Oh yeah, what's causing that? Do we know? Don't know. Computer systems. The Royal Commission, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's uh? We shut everything down and delete it. That's right. 
shut it down, shred it all. Uh, Jace, what's your? You got one more, I think. By the look of it, what, what? someday in the future, our skies will be full of whirring machines delivering anything we could ever want or need, from medical supplies to pizzas and the latest item from our Amazon overlords. The day is not today. On Monday, Russia's postal service tested a delivery drone in the city of Ulan Ud in Siberia. Instead, though, the drone crashed violently into a wall of a nearby building, turning the UAV into a mess of jumbled parts. Russia had announced its plans to start delivering mail via drone. It seems like a smart idea, especially in such a huge country where severe weather often interrupts mail delivery. Here's the original plan for Monday's test. The $20,000 drone was supposed to pick up a small package and deliver it to a nearby village. Instead, the device failed spectacularly, only making it a short distance before crashing into a three-story building. The small crowd gathered to watch the test can be hear, heard uttering expletives, according to Reuters. No one was injured in the crash, and it didn't do any damage except to Russia's pride. And if you go to the uh, Futurism website, you can see a lovely video of it flying up in the air, doing a loop and going smash. <laughs> now... Uh... <laughs> Website futurism. Let me have a look. Yeah, the link in the show notes. Oh, I didn't see that. Where's that? <laughs> the the uh, is that the the headline link? Yeah, I went, I went there, and all I got was a picture of this. I don't even know what that was. So <laughs> I don't know what that is. You sure you went to the right one? The, the URL should be futurism.com/slash/russia. Oh, you might have cop- you might have copied the wrong one. No, I clicked on it from the show notes. Oh, okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, here it is. Sorry, I got the wrong one. I got the... The, <laughs> the next one. I got your next one. I'm thinking, yeah. what is he on about? This story has got <laughs> so unrelated pictures in it. I'm thinking, <sighs> he's off his head. <laughs> on, we're professionals, damn it. <laughs> That's right. Now, where is it? It's, where is... Oh, here it is here. Can we... Here it goes. That's up in the air. Uh, oh, hit the building <laughs> and smash. There you go. It's like baseball boy. It's like the baseball guy. <laughs> yeah, they need to get they need to get Elon Musk in here and sort things out. You know, he can land them perfectly. Mm, yeah. mm. But drones are all the rage, aren't they? Uh, there's, yeah. there's drone channels apparently. Internet, uh, like IPTV channels, drone racing channels. Uh, you can search Sweet. for them and yeah, look for them. Uh, now, Jordan, do you have any more or anything else you want to? Talk I only about? had a, I only had just a. A couple of probably, I wouldn't want to read the article because it probably gets a bit yuck, but it was just a reminder article saying this is why you should immediately stop taking your phone to the toilet. Oh, okay. Why? It was an interesting one. Uh, Germs, filth and poo? Yeah, well, I can go into it. I can read a little bit of it if you like, I suppose. Uh, Taking your phone to the loo with you might seem like a harmless thing to do, but it could end up making you ill as harmful germs wait for it. Uh, migrate from your poo to your mouth. <laughs> oh dear! This dear. is where it gets, gets a bit, gets a bit. But you know, it's true. It's that's what they say. And it's uh, and what's worse is it's not just your germs; they are germs from anyone who has sat upon the same porcelain throne. <laughs> One expert has warned: uh, the, the bugs inhabit the loose seat, the flush handle, the loo roll holder, and even the door into the cubicle or the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They worm their way into the every nook and cranny in the bathroom. So it's a, just a reminder: quit taking your phone to the toilet, people. And, a, and, a, and, and you know. another quick Aussie health tip is when you yeah. flush the toilet, <laughs> put the seat down. So let's say the little germs just don't float around the the air and land on your toothbrush. So that's another little, another little <laughs> well, tip. Toothbrush in the cube. <laughs> Well, well, some people have the toilet in the bathroom, you know, in the... You know, for years, for years we've been taking magazines to the toilet, so I don't know what the problem is now, you know. And then we leave the magazines for other people to read. Mm. And there's a lot more yucky things happen to those magazines than just poop articles. <laughs> well, it does if you run out of toilet paper. Let's put but, it you, know, I remember, you know, I remember my dad used to say to me as a kid, like every dad would say to every kid, don't put money in your mouth, you know, mm. if you pick up a coin. Stop putting the coin in your mouth yeah, because it, it's, been, it's been in so many pockets and so many places you don't know where it's been. But I always think the same thing for touchscreens, you know. How many people, especially public touchscreens, you know, like you're going in, I, I go into, into Coles or Safeways and use the, you know, the, the virtual checkouts. And I think the ATM. Yeah, or the ATM. 
you just almost feel like you need to walk away and wash your hands because how many people have been to the loo and not washed their hands? That's right. And I think <laughs> and it's... Touch the touch screen and then you touch the touch screen. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. The shopping, the shopping trolley handle. But I think, you know, by the time you get home, you forgot about all these things that you've touched and yep. you just think, oh, yeah. And then you go and make yourself a sandwich because you're hungry. That's right. But yep. I think, you know, you also got to build up your immune. So you t- go out, touch all the germs you want, get sick for six months, and then you're right. Never, I thought it was funny. Have you, have you seen the... Um, the comic called uh, Foul Language. No. <laughs> it's got, it's, this guy's um, like living with his son and daughter and the things that they do and driving him crazy and stuff. And he was like, 364 days of the year. Kids, we do not eat food from the ground and we don't eat any food that could have been put there by strangers. Easter Day. Okay, everyone, let's go find lots of food off the ground that strangers have put there. <laughs> yes, that's right. But hopefully all wrapped up in nice, uh, yes, not loose, loose, thin packaging. Uh, okay, yeah. so I think you had one more, Jace, that you wanted to talk about. For the first time, the US government has publicly acknowledged the existence in Washington of what appear to be rogue devices that foreign spies and criminals could be using to track individual cell phones and intercept calls and messages. Use of what are known as cell phone site simulators by foreign powers has long been a concern, but American intelligence and law enforcement agencies which use such eavesdropping equipment themselves have been silent on the issue until now. In a March 26 letter to Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, the Department of Homeland Security acknowledged that last year it had identified suspected unauthorised cell site simulators in the nation's capital. The agency said it had not yet determined the type of device used or who may have been operating them, nor did it say how many it detected or where. The agency's response obtained by the Associated Press from Wyden's office suggests little has been done about such equipment, known popularly as stingrays, after a brand common among U.S. police departments. The Federal Communications Commission, which regulates the nation's airwaves, formed a task force on the subject four years ago, but it never produced a report and no longer meets regularly. Yeah, so that's um, that's dodgy, that one, isn't it? That, that's very mm. dodgy. But, uh, yeah, I guess, look, these things are out there, obviously. You just got to... Well, they always say if you go to one of the hacker conferences, don't use your mobile phone because someone could up, uh, put it up their own femtel or something else to re- interpret, mm. uh, re-trout, reroute your traffic from your phone and they could listen in all your calls and things. Yeah, like why anyone would ever want to do that only for fun? If I had the technology, I'd do it for fun. For the lulls. <laughs> yeah, that's right, why not? Look what I can do. Uh, All right. Uh, So is that all you've got, Jordan? I've just got one little thing that I I wanted to just say is that I read an article last week and I was going to mention it, but do you know the Duolingo app? Yeah, it's great. The Duo. They have the Duolingo. It's for learning different languages. Oh, okay. Right. They have added Klingon to their (laughs) app. Awesome. That's pretty cool. So, for all you Star Trek fans out there, get on to get on to Duolingo and learn how to speak Klingon. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a good that's 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 a good uh, point there, Jace. Let's have a look Duolingo. Let's have a look and see if we can find. Apparently, they added Klingon. I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about that. Not that I ever want to learn how to speak it. I, I get confused just watching the show when they speak it as it is. But where does it say languages? Is there like a where a spot where it all Go through all the languages? Maybe not. There should be oh, I don't know. something there. Somewhere. Maybe you could just Google uh, Duolingo Kling, Klingon. I'll do that. <laughs> Kling, Klingon. See what happens. Learn Klingon in just five minutes a day. Here we go. Yep. Oh, it's just, a, it just takes you to the site. The, the yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, bite-sized Klingon lessons, fun, effective, and 100% free. Well, it's not dated, so it must be pretty, pretty fair income. How funny is that? So everyone's going to start running around and talking Klingon. I reckon that's fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. one. That's one for the Trekkies. Yeah, that's good. They get, you'll see all that in the oh, casual five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, insane twenty minutes a day. Geez, you would go insane. All right. And there's there's some guy that's an expert Klingon guy who reckons that it's really good. Apparently, that oh. was what the article said. Cool. Good stuff. That they've got it. They've got it down. Hmm. All right, that uh, brings us to the end of another week's show. So, uh, yes, you can dove, you can get the show notes at theaussietechheads.com.au forward slash podcast 
website if you wish and all the show notes will be up there probably by the time you are listening to this uh don't forget to watch us on the youtube and subscribe to the youtube channel if you if you can and leave us a comment or whatever on the itunes or on the youtube or facebook but the uh, easiest way to get in touch with us is probably through facebook.com forward slash aussie tech heads make sure you like us make sure you see us first and uh yeah all, all, all is good with the world all right that that hour goes pretty fast doesn't it jordan that's uh that's, that's cool all right, well, we'll see you next week. Thanks for coming in. And uh, you too, Jace. Thanks for coming in. Yep. Thank you. And uh, hopefully you got not another... the time after that, but next time. That's right, and not the time before this time. Because we've already seen... Well, at least daylight, so, at least daylight savings. Holidays for a week, so you won't see... At least anything. daylight savings is all over. We're all on the same time now. So we are good. on the same time. When are you on holidays? Week after next. All right. All right, good stuff. We'll have to bring. You'll have to get. You'll have to get Will to come in and have a have a chat. We start too early for Will. Will like starting yeah. at ten at night because <laughs> he just loves it, uh, don't you, Will? All right. And he falls he falls asleep halfway through. Does he? He's always rubbing his no, eyes and. No, he's still going. Still yeah. talking. No, no, he he he's, he charges on right till the end. Even though we might start at ten, he's no, I don't mean he falls asleep halfway through. I just mean he looks like he might want to. Oh right, because <laughs> right. he's uh, doing it so late. Yes. All right. So yes, good luck with the, another episode of the Aussie Tech Crypto, Jace. Uh, that records yeah. Monday night. So or Tuesday, doesn't it? Or Monday? I don't know. Uh, we we've been doing Sunday lately. Oh, okay, Sunday. Really? And we Stay had off. the uh, creator of. Australia coin Jack Hurley was on for a special interview last week, so that was great. Nice. Well, make sure you download that one, guys, because that sounds uh, pretty good. And listen to Jack Hurley. Uh, sounds like he the surfing dude or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all right, that's it. Let's get out of here. So we'll see you all next week. So yeah, have a good week. Uh, stay warm. And the Commonwealth Games they started on the Gold Coast. So if you're up on the Goldie and you're going, well done. But if not, watch it on the telly. It's uh, it's going to be good. Nice intro. Mm. Good intro. All right. Well, Mm. we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. See you, everyone.